Legalization of marijuana is in the news again, with state lawmakers indicating they will not consider passing new legislation in the upcoming session. So what does that mean for current medical marijuana laws, and how does it impact University of Maryland Upper Chesapeake Health? We'll find out on this edition of the University of Maryland Upper Chesapeake Health Hero Podcast. Good afternoon. I'm Colin Ward, Vice President of Population Health, and with me, as always, is Lyle Sheldon, the CEO of Upper Chesapeake. Lyle, welcome. Colin, good afternoon. Always good to be with you. Lyle, our last podcast, we learned about e-cigarette use and lung injuries and why so much is still unknown about the dangers of vaping. And today, we're going to take a pivot to medical marijuana with the help of Tanya Appleby, a doctorally prepared nurse practitioner and the director of Advanced Practice Hospitalist Service here at Upper Chesapeake. Now, this is a particularly complicated issue, as we may have patients using marijuana for a variety of ailments, but with multiple state and federal regulations seen as being contradictory. Colin, you're right. This is a complex topic. Many people don't know that Maryland actually passed a law in 2013 that allowed the use of marijuana for medical purposes. But that law required academic medical centers to run the programs. The two academic medical centers in the state Neither one of them volunteered, so the law had to be amended in 2014 to allow state-certified practitioners to prescribe the drug for severe or chronic conditions. Okay, so we know that people with certain conditions like chronic pain, which can sometimes be associated with cancer treatments, can legally use marijuana. Why is this such a challenge for hospitals then? This challenge is that states that have acted to legalize marijuana with a narrow focus on medical conditions but it remains illegal under the federal government laws. And so why is that important at the hospital level? Because hospitals across the nation could lose their ability to care for Medicare and Medicaid patients by knowingly breaking federal laws, which you and I don't want to do, (laughs) or FDA regulations. (laughs) That's right. And and the Medicare-Medicaid population, that's a big portion of the patients we care for. It's over 50% of our patients. Wow. Okay. So there's a lot at stake here for both patients and medical providers in this area. So, Lyle, when we come back, we'll be joined by Tanya Appleby for a comprehensive look at medical marijuana, including the legal issues, the current known patient benefits, and the future of cannabis and its place in medicine. You are listening to the University of Maryland Upper Chesapeake's Hero Podcast. Are you or someone you love experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis? The Klein Family Harford Crisis Center in Bel Air can help. With care available 24-7 in a comfortable and safe setting, our team of professionals are experts in helping you manage the struggles that often feel impossible. The Crisis Center's hotline is available day or night, and our mobile crisis team will come directly to you. Our 24-7 walk-in clinic for urgent care at 802 Baltimore Pike provides treatment with compassion and respect. Experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis is scary, but you're not alone. We are here to help. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or visit HarfordCrisisCenter.org. And now, back to the Hero Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Colin Ward, and I'm pleased to be joined by Tanya Appleby, the Director of the Advanced Practice Hospitalist Service here at Upper Chesapeake. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you. Now, before we get started on the legal issues, let's just talk about what is known about the benefits of medical marijuana. What can you tell us? 
Well, the research is still limited, but the um, National Academies of Science, Engineering, Medicine came out with a really good book a couple years ago. It's kind of like our Bible to help us guide us into what medical conditions uh, medical cannabis is good for. Right now, we know epilepsy is a big top one. Um, there is a drug known as Epidiolex. It's a Schedule Five drug now. So it's a first of its kind that's made with cannabis to help uh, treat uh, certain forms of childhood seizures, uh, chronic pain. Um, MS and muscle spasms due to spinal cord injuries. We have seen that medical cannabis has some great benefits. Um, nausea and vomiting from, say, chemotherapy. Um, the loss of appetite associated with cancer conditions. Um, Parkinson's disease, inflammatory bowel disease, and PTSD. And that's where a lot of our research is focused right now. Okay, so it seems like there's a, a wide variety of, of clinical conditions that may actually benefit from marijuana. Indeed, okay. it's a lot. All right, so now you are one of the state-certified practitioners. Um, So when you're considering treatment options for a particular patient, what would guide you to recommending cannabis for a patient? Well, we have to take a look at their health history and see if they have a qualifying condition. The Maryland Medical Cannabis Commission, which guides our ability to be able to certify patients for medical cannabis, has some um, qualifying conditions that allow us to certify patients for medical cannabis. So just like we talked about chronic pain, nausea, vomiting, anorexia due to loss of appetite due to a medical condition or cancer treatments, um, we look at those conditions to see if they would qualify. And we also look at to see what have they tried to treat these medical conditions and did they have a failure of those treatments and then is the medical cannabis really our last effort? So it's not, it might not be the first uh, um, treatment option? Correct. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about the difference between THC and CBD? There's a lot of, you know, you can't walk into a convenience store without seeing CBD oils are for sale here. What's the difference there and, and help people get oriented to why one is legal over the counter and one is, is regulated by the state? Very good question. So... THC and CBD both come from the cannabis plant. There's two types of plants, the sativa and the indica. When you see THC-containing products, they uh, exceed the threshold mandated by the federal government. So they have more than 0.3% THC in them. So those are considered federally illegal. You have to either go to a state where it's legalized recreationally or have a Maryland provider certify you for the medical cannabis. THC is going to give you that hallucinogenic, stoned, kind of effect, whereas CBD is still pharmacologically active, but doesn't have a lot of the side effects that the THC has. Now, to break it down even further, you go into a Walgreens CVS and you see CBD oil. Oh, it's available for me. It means that it was extracted from a cannabis plant, but it has less than 0.3% THC in it, which makes it legal. But the processing of that could be pretty dangerous because there's no FDA regulation in some of these products that you're buying from the Walgreens and CVS. So they could have oils, um, ingredients in them that the FDA is not monitoring that you could be adjusting that could actually be harmful for you. And this is the same problem that we see with the vaping pens where there are 7,000 chemicals and no FDA approval. Correct. Okay. So now when you have patients that you have certified as being appropriate candidates for medical marijuana, and that patient has to come to the hospital for a particular reason. What kind of challenges does that create for our hospitalist uh, team and our caregivers? Well, patient satisfaction is pretty key, and patients do have that self-determination, and we want them to take control of their health care. So when they've been certified for medical cannabis and they can't bring it into the hospital, then they get upset because 
we're going to prescribe them something that they know that doesn't already work. And they, do they know that they can't bring it into the hospital? A lot of them don't. Okay. So when I see patients that come to me for a certification for medical cannabis, I go over those rules with them saying, you can't bring it into a hospital. You can't take it to a public school. You can't take it to a public place because it's still considered federally illegal and people don't want their stuff confiscated. So they'll have to use other alternative treatments like for pain, for nausea, vomiting when they come into the hospital, but they cannot use their medical cannabis. Okay, so you talked about different places where they can and can't use it. Maybe now is a good time to tiptoe into the legal aspect of this. So what's the difference between medical marijuana and the idea of decriminalizing marijuana? What does that mean? Because I'm not sure everybody understands there's a differentiation here. Right. So several states have now have medical cannabis laws on the books. And several states... Most famously Colorado. Correct. Okay. So you can... Anyone from the United States could go to the state of Colorado, walk into a dispensary, and purchase cannabis, no matter if you're a resident of Colorado or a resident of Nebraska. Um in terms of legal issues here, we do have decriminalization of the medical cannabis in the state of Maryland, meaning that if you have, say, for example, a small joint on you or an eighth of an ounce on you that you use to smoke in a bowl, there, as long as you have your cannabis card with you saying that you're a medical cannabis patient, the police cannot prosecute you or arrest you. Um, can't say that's true if you're holding 10 pounds of marijuana on you. Right. They probably will try to prosecute you and arrest you and stuff like that. And that doesn't make sense from a treatment perspective anyway. No, no patient's going to carry around 10 pounds of medical cannabis with them. They're going to carry around either their edibles, um, their small little joints or something like that. But I will tell you, from all the patients that I've seen, a lot of people don't want to smoke the cannabis. They want the edibles. They want the creams. They want droplets. They want tablets that are made with THC and CBD to help their medical condition. And you can only get those from approved dispensaries, correct? Correct. Okay. So it seems as though each state, we mentioned Colorado as one, but there are other states that have either completely decriminalized or have a different stance on, on medical cannabis. But what is then the difference federally? Why is there so much confusion then? If all the states are saying, hey, we're going to decriminalize or we're going to legalize medical uses, what's the hang-up federally? Why the conflict? Well, I think research is still limited about cannabis. It was labeled as Schedule One a very, very long time ago. Um, and only a few places in the United States are able to study it, grow it, and cultivate it. University of Mississippi is one of those. They've had an agreement with the federal government for about almost 50 years now to really study and look at growing the plants, studying the plants, and look at the plant chemistry of that. That's where we're lacking. And so I think the federal government still got that hold on it as a federal, as a Schedule One drug to say... What, what, so, sorry to interrupt here, yeah. but what does Schedule One mean for the layperson? What does has that mean? has absolutely no usefulness in medicine. Okay. So it's... It has not been determined that it has usefulness. Correct. And it could be labeled as dangerous. And so like your heroin is in the Schedule 1. So when you look at these drugs, the federal government still has this hold on it, like it's got to be a Schedule 1 drug. And then there's still this big debate, and a lot of people debating this, that it's still a gateway drug to using other illicit substances. Okay. So has the FDA weighed in on this yet? They are staying quiet. Now, the FDA has weighed on just... Yesterday, um, letters went out to several companies 
that are touting the benefits of CBD in the Walgreens, in the CVS, in your Walmart, saying, oh, CBD is good for sleep, CBD is good for this. These companies cannot make medicinal claims about what their CBD can do. And so the FDA, instead of going after these businesses, they're issuing letters saying they need to redo their packaging. So you need to be careful when you look at a package that says it's got CBD or it's got hemp oil or it's derived from CBD and THC and it's making a medical claim, you have to be very careful because none of those claims have been substantiated. Okay. So let's circle back then to, to the hospital. So a patient has been cleared. They come to the hospital. They may or may not know that they can not take uh, medical marijuana in the hospital. So what is, what is the hospital's policy and how is it governed by the federal regulations? Well, the hospital policy says that patients cannot use their medical cannabis while they're in the hospital. That is a policy. Can they bring their, their medical marijuana to the hospital and just not use it? Um, they would probably, we probably ask them to take it home because okay. it's on our property. Okay. Um, I think as healthcare providers, when a patient comes into the hospital, um, if I'm seeing a patient, I need to ask them, you know, what prescription medicines are you taking? What over-the-counter medicines are you taking? And are you using any medical cannabis? Sometimes if we don't ask that question, the patients aren't going to tell us. So we need to really open the dialogue with our patients to ask them what other things are they're taking. We've gotten used to asking the patients what vitamins and herbals are you taking? And right. we know that they can have interactions with the medications that we're prescribing them as well. And that's another um, shortcoming of the medical cannabis right now. It's not been studied with other prescriptive medications. So we don't know the treatments that we're prescribing our patients in the hospital could have an interaction with the medical cannabis. Or their day-to-day meds. So their blood pressure control medication or something like that. Correct. Okay. So we're still new in this field. The research is evolving, would you say, at this point? I would say the research is evolving at lightning speed right now. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Tanya, for breaking down this complicated issue, and we'll be back with more in a moment. You are listening to the University of Maryland Upper Chesapeake's Hero Podcast. The solution to your debilitating back and neck pain is closer than you think. At UM Upper Chesapeake Health, we provide the full spectrum of spine care for both adult and pediatric patients. Our comprehensive approach to treating back and neck pain includes an advanced evaluation and both non-surgical and surgical treatment for all spinal disorders. And it's all personalized just for you. Through the University of Maryland Spine Network, we have world-class spine care right here in our community. Learn more at umuch.org slash spine. And now back to the Hero Podcast. Colin Ward joined again by Lyle Sheldon, the Upper Chesapeake Chief Executive Officer. Lyle, we often describe University of Maryland Upper Chesapeake Health as hope and healing close to home. So how do you see our medical marijuana policies evolving over time? Is this something that the Maryland Hospital Association will help advance, or are we really going to need to await future changes in the federal government? Interestingly enough, just recently, the United States House Judiciary Committee approved a proposal that would decriminalize and tax marijuana at the federal level. Basically, it would reverse the federal prohibition by removing marijuana from the Controlled Substance Act while allowing states, such as Maryland, to set their own rules on marijuana. This may actually eliminate the conflict between the current Maryland law and the federal regulations under which Medicare governs hospitals. Oh, so that would be quite interesting and something we're going to have to stay tuned to see how things play out in Congress. Well, thanks for joining us as we learn more about medical marijuana and the intersection with hospital medicine. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Tanya Appleby from Upper Chesapeake Hospitals Group. Our next episode will be released in January. For Lyle Sheldon, I'm Colin Ward, and we hope you'll join us in becoming a healthcare hero. 